Welcome to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about the beginning of the end of money bond for criminal defendants in Illinois, the looming sunset of the state school choice program, and Illinois' continued population laws. I'll then join the Center Square's Dan McCaleb to further discuss the news. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Are you looking for fair news coverage out of the nation's capital? Join the Center Square's Editor-in-Chief Dan McCaleb and D.C. Bureau Chief Casey Harper as they discuss all things coming out of Washington, D.C. And as you said, I did a fact check on this because I really found it pretty misleading. Gas prices, yes, are down. But if you look at food prices, they increase. No spin, just the news. Listen to the America in Focus podcast at americastalking.com or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. The end of money bond in Illinois begins September 18th, but the debate over whether the measure will lead to better public safety continues. ACLU of Illinois Director of Criminal Justice Policy Benjamin Riddell advocates for the policy. He says people are innocent until proven guilty and shouldn't languish in jail because they can't afford to get out. Judges will still have discretion about who should remain behind bars pending trial. What those are are generally um, crimes for which crimes that are classified as forcible felonies, so uh, involving some element of, of violence or threatening another person. Outside looking in, Ken Good, an attorney and member of the Professional Bondsman of Texas, predicts things will be chaotic. Your criminal justice system will collapse unless they just are hiding it by dismissing cases until people decide to work together to find policies that will provide public safety. The policy Governor J.B. Pritzker signed was supposed to go into effect January 1st, but was blocked by a lawsuit and later upheld by the Illinois Supreme Court. Some Illinois parents will opt for homeschooling over public school if legislators choose not to extend the Invest in Kids School Choice Scholarship Program, which is set to expire at the end of the year. Andrew Hensel has more. The program allows donors to get a 75% Illinois income tax credit towards donations to fund school choice scholarships for qualified families throughout the state. On Wednesday, families that support the measure gathered in Chicago to urge state officials to extend the program. Sabrina Sibby of the south side of Chicago has four boys involved in the program. She said she may have to quit her job if the program is cut. But like I said, I probably would opt out to homeschooling, which would definitely be difficult for me because then I would have to quit my job. Sibby said her children do not feel safe in Chicago public schools. When um, I switched him out of one school and into the other, it seemed like he was more aware of his educational setting as opposed to now I don't have to worry about if I feel safe or not. Lawmakers returned to session on October 24th. I'm Andrew Hensel. A new study reveals that the exodus from Illinois continues. Kevin Bessler has that story. Clever Real Estate teamed up with moving company Allied Van Lines and found that Illinois has had more outbound moves than any other state in the past six months. The author of the study, Jamie Seal, says respondents overwhelmingly chose one aspect of a state for a reason to move away. Americans are really looking for safe places to live. And then after that, the top answer choices were all financial in nature. And leaving with them is their money. Jonathan Williams, chief economist with the American Legislative Exchange Council, says the amount of money that left Illinois is staggering. Nearly $11 billion in annual uh, wealth that Illinois has lost. Uh, that is just a, a crushing blow 
uh, to the future prospects of Illinois turning it around economically. Predictably, boomers care more about tax rates when picking a place to live. The Clever Real Estate study found that 42% say low taxes are one of the most important things in a city or state, compared to just 23% of millennials. I'm Kevin Bessler. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, I'll join the Center Square Executive Editor, Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Knowledge is power, and you deserve to know what happens in your state government. That's why the Center Square's reporting zeroes in on state authorities publishing stories that show where your money goes and who spends it. The Center Square gives power to the taxpayer by tracking politicians' use of the people's money and demanding transparency from state-run agencies. This is how the Center Square equips you, the American taxpayer, to hold your state government accountable. Sign up now for your state's Center Square newsletter at thecentersquare.com. Greetings and welcome to Illinois in Focus, powered by the Center Square. I'm Dan McCaleb, Executive Editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. Joining me again today is Greg Bishop, the Center Square's Illinois Editor and Senior Capital Bureau Reporter. How are you today, Greg? I'm doing fantastic. I love this weather. Uh, the leaves are changing. The temperature is going to start uh, dropping and uh, fall is upon us. So uh, hopefully you're enjoying the weather up your way. I'm with you. I definitely enjoy fall, enjoy the weather. Most of all, I don't like the hours of daylight we get. It's only going to decrease that's right. over time. I, and I uh, all the leaves I've got to get out of my backyard. That's well, that's that I'm looking forward to too much either. Yeah, that's a pain too. Anyway, Greg, we're recording this on Thursday, September 14th, an issue we've written about extensively at thecentersquare.com and talked about exhaustively almost on Illinois in Focus is about to become reality with the controversial no-cash-bail provision of the Illinois Safe T Act going into effect this coming Monday, September um, 18th. <clears throat> Legislative Democrats who passed the measure and Governor J.B. Pritzker, who signed it, say it is about equity in the criminal justice system, arguing that the low-income folks who are charged with crimes often aren't able to post bail and therefore language in jail awaiting trial while wealthier residents are released pretrial because they can afford bail and they remain free while uh, awaiting a ju- judicial outcome. Critics, and there are many though, uh, are worried about what it will mean in their communities, particularly when it comes to public safety. Greg, bring us up to date on this story. And so this was uh, something that was part of a very large sweeping police regulation and criminal justice reform law that was passed in early of 2021. Uh, And uh, it was during a lame duck session and Democrats, and this was during, you know, the peak of COVID, uh, Democrats passed this large omnibus bill, uh, despite law enforcement uh, pushing back, saying they weren't part of the conversations and they should have been. And it uh, really impacted law enforcement and also had this pretrial fairness act provision within the safety act. And uh, it didn't have a uh, an immediate start date. The pretrial 
uh, Fairness Act actually had a delayed start date for January 1st of 2023. So from 2021 to late 2022, the measure actually uh, went through several different reforms. So they, they had to plug some holes, close some loopholes, modify some things, and it even became a hot political issue in the November 2022 election where Governor J.B. Pritzker was seeking re-election and his challenger, Republican uh, State Senator Darren Bailey, made the Pretrial Fairness Act a, a, a key issue in the campaign, saying that uh, it could lead to more criminals out on the streets. It could lead to less public safety because the idea is that we're getting rid of cash bond uh, across the states. And this is something that no other state in the nation has done, but Illinois was poised to do that. So uh, the Republicans did not gain any seats in the legislature, at least in the House. I think they gained a seat in the Senate from the November 2022 election. Governor Pritzker won re-election uh, and uh, Democrats saw that as uh, you know, them moving forward with with this provision. But despite modifications to change the what is called uh, the 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 net of detainable offenses, things that people will still be detained for, they had to modify that language. So while they said Republicans were crying wolf about the uh, possible negative impacts on public safety because of the pretrial fairness act that was set to take effect, uh, Democrats still went through and changed the law to make clear that more violent crimes could be detainable. So before those changes in late 2022, uh, the question was, uh, are people who are uh, charged with arson, are people who are charged with making, uh, you know, violent threats to others, are they going to be released without bail? Uh, but uh, Democrats had to clean that language up to ensure that the more serious uh, felonious crimes, those crimes that involve injury to somebody else or threats to somebody else would be detainable. Despite that change, you had state's attorneys from more than 60 different counties sue the state, and they got an injunction from a Kankakee County judge on New Year's Eve of 2022. And then the Illinois Supreme Court had to come in and say, all right, we're suspending the enactment of the Safety Act and the no cash bail provision until we sort this out in the courts. So then it months went by, you had the briefs from all the different plaintiffs and the defense from the states. They heard the case in the Illinois Supreme Court. And then two months ago, the Illinois Supreme Court upheld the Pretrial Fairness Act and said it's going to be implemented September 18th. So while it was supposed to start January 1st, all of the legal wrangling led to it being delayed even further to this coming Monday. So that's kind of how we got to this point. And uh, the, the, the the debate still continues uh, as to whether or not this is going to be good for public safety or if there more uh, is a focus on so-called equity uh, in exchange for that. Uh, so obviously the, the debate is is still hot and we'll see what the outcomes are going to be after Monday when this goes into effect statewide. So you've got state's attorneys uh, that uh, some are supporting this uh, moving forward, saying that it's more fair, it's more equitable, and people who are charged with crimes are innocent until proven guilty and they shouldn't have to sit behind bars for nonviolent crimes or charges uh, while they're innocent until proven guilty. Uh, especially if they can't afford cash bail. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be 
uh, conditions upon release. You know, there could still be conditions a judge puts on a criminal defendant saying you can't go to this place. You can't talk to that person. You can't be seen doing this. You can't be picked up for any other crimes. But those who oppose the pretrial fairness act say that it's going to be too lenient and it's going to lead to low level criminals being released to possibly, uh, get caught up and, uh, arrested again for other crimes. And then you get into a compounding situation where all of a sudden you've got people who are arrested for a second offense in a short time, clogging the jails. And, uh, all of this is really going to come to a head. I would imagine, uh, shortly after Monday, uh, we'll see what the ultimate outcomes are going to be. Right. Let me just point out one other concern is that when you post bail, you're putting up a monetary, some part of your own wealth to guarantee that you show up in court for your hearings on the crime you were arrested for. And there's also concerns that at least some percentage of these folks with the no cash bail provision are not going to show up because they do not have any money to lose if they fail to show up. And that sheriff's offices across the state are going to be flooded with these failure to appear notices. Probably find out fairly soon enough what the issues are with the law. It goes into effect on um, this coming Monday, September 18th. So we, of course, at thecentersquare.com will be following uh, what happens. Another story we've been following pretty heavily at thecentersquare.com is the pending ending of the Invest in Kids School Choice Program. Quick background, uh, under former Governor Bruce Rauner, during the significant budget impasse of 2017, in order to sign off on a state budget, Governor Rauner wanted this Invest in Kids uh, program put in place, which allows individuals, private people, private donors, to donate to a scholarship program that then can be used by lower-income families to send their kid to a school of their choice, not if their local public school is failing them, not giving the support to the student of the family, that according to the family, then the family can use these donations as a sort of a scholarship to go to a private school or some other school that is not their local public school. Well, that expired. There was an expiration date built into that. That expires on December 31st. Lawmakers are going to be entering veto session uh, at the end of October, and there's a growing push to have lawmakers extend that program. We've written about it at thecentersquare.com. What's the latest? And there's been a lot of families uh, that have taken advantage of this, families of uh, lesser means, uh, not able to pay for uh, a private school of their choice out of their pockets. So uh, this program's helped out about 9,000 families getting their kids into higher quality private education, uh, taking their child either out of a failing public school or out of a charter school to put them into a private or parochial school. Uh, And what's fascinating is there was a, a a wild twist that happened. We talked about this last week, Dan, uh, and it was confirmed over the weekend. Uh, the Chicago Teachers Union president uh, was reported to have uh, be sending their child to a private school. And this is a union president for the nation's third largest teachers union in Chicago, being a union for public school teachers who had criticized school choice 
in the past, uh, calling them them racist and, uh, quote, segregation academies. Uh, but Stacey Davis Gates uh, late last week confirmed that she is sending her child to a private school uh, and she has the means to do so. But she said that that was because of the lack of resources going to Chicago public schools, not able to take care of the needs of her child. And she wanted to ensure that her child could chase his dreams of being a soccer player while getting a quality education. Well, that's a uh, uh, something that a lot of families in Chicago aren't afforded to be able to do if it weren't for the Invest in Kids School Choice Scholarship Program. So that was an interesting twist. Uh, and uh, what what happens here on out, you've got six days of fall veto session that starts October 24th, only six days left in this calendar year for lawmakers to act on extending the Invest in Kids School Choice Scholarship Program. Uh, and will they be able to tackle all of this in six days while they've got a whole host of other issues dealing with in veto session from energy policy to, you know, any other supplemental appropriation that there may be? That's that remains to be seen. Uh, so what happens if they don't extend the program? Uh, you've got families that are going to be uh, having to, to make a really tough decision as to whether or not they either find the resources or, uh, you know, the one parent told our reporter, Andrew Hensel, that uh, she would probably have to quit her job to homeschool her child if the program's not renewed, uh, because the quality of education is something that is extremely important to this family, uh, and they want to ensure that they uh, maintain that quality of education. But if the program expires, there'll be half a school year where these families will be left in the lurch without any uh, resources to be able to send their kids to a school of their choice. Yeah, the timing of it, too, is a little awkward. That might not be the right word, but it's coming in the middle of a school year. December 31st is when it expires. Of course, the school year goes from, you know, end of August, beginning of September uh, of this year into May, June of next year. So it's an expiration date is right in the middle of a school year. I don't know how that's going to you know, if the legislature allows it to expire, does not take action during veto session, that that's going to really impact families and their and their students, wouldn't it? Yeah, and and again, it would leave them without the rest of the school year. And in some instances, too, Dan, you got to consider this isn't just one off school year. Some t- some instances, you've got a child who may be in third grade. And uh, they go to uh, a private school that goes all the way to the eighth grade. Uh, And the goal is to fund that child's education all the way through eighth grade. But if this is expired, then that child is, you know, going for third grade half a year. Then all of a sudden, what? Uh, You know, the 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 uncertainty there uh, definitely is uh, pretty um, uh, dramatic for a lot of these families. Uh, and what exactly they're going to be able to do uh, if this program does indeed expire. Uh, but one thing to consider, uh, and you mentioned this, this was part of a, a agreement to change the state's school funding formula for public schools. Since this agreement has been put into place to uh, change the funding formula and allow for a school choice program that's privately funded, and I think that's important here, Invest in Kids 
is privately funded. Right. If you, a taxpayer, want to donate your private money to this program, you can get a 75% Illinois income tax credit towards the amount of the donation. And there's a $100 million cap. Uh, so we have yet to even get to that $100 million cap. I think right now it's only about $40 million that's been donated this year. But regardless, uh, that is a small comparison to the amount of funds that are going into public schools across the states, including the extra three hundred and fifty million dollars each year for the past several years that have gone to schools in addition to the billions already going to public schools. And just for comparison, uh, the amount of money going to public schools in Illinois is more than $10 billion for this current fiscal year, which is about one fifth of the overall state budget. While you've got, you know, $50 billion in state spending, only about a, you know, uh, around $40 million uh, in private money is going to these school choice scholarship programs. And I want to highlight that because one of the opponents to this are teachers unions and teachers unions say that this diverts tax dollars away from public schools to pay for private schools. They say aren't accountable but it's private money that's going into the scholarship program. And when you compare how much money's involved in this versus the 10 plus billion dollars going to public schools, is there really a comparison? Right. And and one final thing before we have to move on, I want to get to, to at least one more story, Greg, too, is, is, is you know, the data shows that the, the outcomes in these school choice schools is when it comes to students and student learning and student achievement is far greater than what we're seeing in many public schools uh, across in Chicago and across the state. Greg, uh, moving on, uh, a couple of uh, Illinois elected officials uh, were in the national spotlight this week. The the Secretary of State and U.S. Senator Dick Durbin um, were uh, before a Senate com- uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee in Washington D.C. Um, this week to talk about Illinois' um, latest uh, law that would prevent state tax dollars from going to libraries, including public school libraries, if they remove books from the shelves. Tell us about that hearing. Yeah, so this was a law that was championed by Secretary of State Alexi Janoulias, who, aside from operating the um, you know drivers and motor vehicles services, he's also the state librarian. So the Secretary of State's office uh, manages federal and state tax dollars to go to public libraries through grants. Uh, so there's all kinds of different grants from facility grants to, you know, new program grants. Uh, but what uh, Janulius uh, intended to do was uh, to essentially say if a, if a local library board, which is locally elected, or a local school board, which is locally elected, opts to restrict access to certain materials in contradiction to the American Library Association's Librarian Bill of Rights, then the state can withhold state and federal tax dollars from these public bodies. Uh, so the, the the measure ultimately was debated. You had Democrats saying that, you know, we, we are, uh, you know, a free nation and we should oppose book bans. You had opponents and Republicans saying that nobody's banning books. They're just restricting controversial material 
that might not be age appropriate for certain mm. students or certain individuals. Books like Gender Queer, uh, which during a Senate hearing over in Washington, D.C., led by uh, Senator Dick Durbin, uh, you had uh, Louisiana U.S. Senator John Kennedy read an excerpt from two books that was not fit for broadcast. Uh, I mean, he, he we can't even talk about the, 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 the types of situations he discussed or read directly from these books because we would probably or at least the radio stations people are listening to this on could be hit with FCC violations. Extremely, extremely sexually explicit. And profane. Uh, so it was it was a fascinating hearing that really put uh, the Illinois Secretary of State and Illinois law limiting tax dollars for local libraries in the national spotlight. We are out of time. Thank you for your insight into all of these important stories. Our listeners can keep up with these ongoing stories at thecentersquare.com. For Greg Bishop, I'm Dan McCaleb. Thank you for listening and please subscribe. 